0: Hello everybody, welcome to the new bonus episodes, or the bonus series for the second season. Um, I attended the Costa Rican Big Data School, and you know, I thought that maybe, maybe some of you can take some value out of this. Um, You know, many aspiring computer scientists and software engineers would really benefit from the things that they talk about in this event. This was a five-day event from Monday through Friday, um, from 8 to (laughs) 4. So it was pretty extensive, and they talked about a lot of different subjects and, uh, you know, very important things that you got to know in this day and age with big data and data science and data analysis. So I thought, you know what? I'll put this up. Maybe some of my listeners can take advantage of this and can benefit from listening to really, really high-end professors uh, from the – Texas Advanced Computing Center. Um. So, our instructors will be Wei Shu. He's a PhD and the group lead for data mining and statistics group. Prior to joining TAC, he obtained a master's degree in biological sciences and a doctoral degree in computer science from the University of Texas at Austin. Then there's also Charlie Day. Charlie Day is the director of training and professional development with the user services group at TAC, with a background in web development and scientific computing. Charlie's responsibilities at TAC include organizing, developing content, and building curriculums for TACC's academic course selection taught in conjunction with several departments at the University of Texas at Austin, as well as for TACC's professional development and educational team. Oh, well. Oh, and just a quick thanks to Danny Siat who was the one who recorded these uh, segments without him we wouldn't have this awesome bonus round <laughs> so thank you very much and enjoy python is what really kind of what makes python
1: together is lists so essentially this is a sequence it kind of looks like an array where you have the defined position and first position is here and then you can access any of the positions using the square brackets very similar to arrays in other programming languages, with a couple uh, distinctions. So we can set up a list, like I said, my list equal to, and uh, give it a bunch of items. So you know, uh, say, let's put a bunch of strings in there: string two and string three. All right. Uh, we can also do my list equals. Um, Say number one, two, three, four, five. 5, sure one. So we essentially, what we're doing is just building a bunch of uh, a bunch of numbers together and whatnot. Let's do Right, nothing really exciting aside from the fact that, hey, that looks very similar to, uh, looks really similar to using array, right, print out uh, my list one, right, so everything behaves kind of how we expect things to be. I can print out my list one and give it an index I want to look at, right, so hey, my list. Uh, sub 3, or sub 2 is equal to string 3. Remember, lists start with the index value of 0. So 0, 1, 2. Right, nothing exciting. We can also do kind of fun stuff. We can do a for statement. So for i in range, uh, say 0, 0 to 3, and print um, my list sub i. You know, and it prints out the list and everything we do with it. So it's kind of interesting to see though. Um, we're actually printing out everything. We're printing out all the items inside of our list, right? We can get any uh, item out of our list. We can combine lists together. We can add different values together as well. But what's kind of interesting is uh, we can also slice our lists. That's kind of unique. So I, I say, um, my list, what did I create? My list uh, one. And tell it to go from zero to three, and it'll go ahead and just take out that little bit of the slice and show those to me. <coughs> what's also kind of neat is we can uh, we can ask where the length is. So I can say, all right, give me uh, what's the length of my, uh, my list. Remember, my list is one with all the strings in. Says, so all right, there's three. Uh, we can ask you what the uh, we can add. We can check to see if items are in our list. So I'll say one in minus one. No. True. You know the zero n minus one. That's <laughs> what I mean. No, <Nope>, that's not. <laughs> Are- numbers that we just generated. We can ask questions against a list. Hey, what's in, what's in it? What's not in it? What's the max value? What's not the max value? And we can iterate directly into our list. So if I were to say, uh, we can now say for, remember we did the for x in range? And remember how I said range is essentially a list? So if I said for x in my list 1, and then I say, all right, print x. It prints all the values that are inside my list, right? My, my list 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So essentially, each one of these x values becomes, are actually the representation of whatever is in that list. Which would mean if I said, all right, how about my list 2? Uh, well, there's all the, uh, my list 2 was comprised of all those floats. Right? What about you know my list zero or, or just my list? Those are all my strings I created. So a list is a collection of stuff, which means it can be any stuff. If I wanted to, I can say my list three is say uh, my name. Right? Um, I could have it in my you know, my favorite color. Um, put some numbers in there, uh, I can put down you know, floating point numbers as well, um, and you know, I can put down other lists if I wanted to. Alright? So now there's a list of stuff. I can print out my list, and that's what it compiled with, two strings, an integer, and a float. So what makes me, what makes this kind of cool, or makes me really interested in it, well, If I can loop through a list and I can say for x in my list and print x out, and x actually becomes uh, whatever item it is that's inside my list, that would mean that I can do that with my list 3, right? So I can say my list 3 for x in my list 3. And I can say print x. Well, it's kind of cool. So it goes through the entire list as we'd expect exactly what we expected to be, and it prints out Charlie, red, 42, and 1.8. So what does that mean? And this is what I think is really cool. Type right. X. My X changes what type it is. So we defined X, and originally we designed, defined something as an integer, it pretty much stays an in integer, defines something as a float, pretty much stays a float. Uh, We can create a list of floating point numbers, we can create a list of integers, but now we can actually combine those together, make a collection of stuff. And what's really cool is our collection, our value that we say, hey, x is every element inside my list, my list three. X changes what type it is. Mm -hmm. So it changes from a string to an integer to a float. You know, and then if we want to add more stuff to it, back to a string. So that's what makes Python really cool, is can essentially pull stuff in there, combine, and organize, and contain all the different types of variables that you want, and put it all into one collection, and then print your collection out. Um, And then, of course, you can do cool things, too. You can say, hey, what's the max value? Uh, What's the min value? Um, We can append new items to it. So if I were to want to here, if I were to say, all right, as we come up with every single prime number between zero to zero and one, I would say, all right, I'll do prime prime list, and I would go ahead and create empty list here. Hmm. there. So there is. I have now. I have a list of prime numbers. So if I wanted to, I can go ahead and, and print out. Prime list, and there's all my prime numbers that i created. Mind you, it, it does it, because of the way our, our program is set up, it, it duplicates and numbers. That's okay. We don't have to worry about that. We can go through there and fix it in our code if we needed to. Uh, but we can ask for uh, numbers inside there. So, you know, three in prime list. True. You know, forty-two in prime list. You know, false. Uh, We can iterate through that number list if we wanted to. But really what I wanted to point out, or what makes lists really cool, is the fact that we can combine different types together. So it is truly an abstract collection of stuff. You can put any kind of stuff you want in there, and there's really nothing stopping you from making a collection of objects, a collection of other lists, a collection of numbers, a collection of statistics, whatever you really need it to be, a list can uh, provide that for you. And of course, you can pull down different items. Uh, you can find out if a certain element exists. You can find out what index that element exists at. You can do a continue. You can do a count how many times a item appears in your list. So you can get some really quick data from just a simple collection of lists without actually doing any statistics on it. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and start out. Let's do a quick, a quick exercise here of creating a list. Don't worry about writing it down to a file. Uh, we'll do that Thursday when you after you mess with files. But just create a list that goes from 0 to 2pi. And you might need to Google to see how you can do that in steps of 0.01. But that's OK, because that's going to jump into the next uh, segment here. And then create a list that is going to hold x squared and hold uh, x cube. All right, and yeah, so go ahead and, uh, and let's see if we can put that together. Actually, you know what? Let's just go from uh, zero to 100 instead. Um, I'm going to introduce the, the jump here in just a little while. So let's fix that slide. Up. Uh, where my slide Let's make a little easier because we have a couple of cool things I want to get to first. Yeah. So let's just let's go to uh, zero to 100, and then we'll print out x x squared, x cubed. And we'll create a list with each uh, one list y1 that's going to hold x squared, and another list y2 that's going to hold x cubed. So first thing we want to do is go back to So first thing you want to do is you are trying to create these two loops that go through there, one going from x going from 0 to 100, which you already know how to do. So for x in range, zero. We're going to have two lists as well, one of them is going to be y, and we call it y-list, and it's going to be empty for now, and y-list, uh, one list. and that's going to be empty as well. Okay. So the first thing we want to do is we want to just do a regular append. And we want to add x times x, Oops, not fine. and now i and we're going to So now, we have a couple lists with some numbers so inside right there for us. And we're going to use these numbers uh, probably tomorrow to we'll do some, play some additional <laughs> encryption to go over yes, to do we'll do them. Them. and do some analysis. Of it. But we have our two lists that we created. And with these two lists, we basically have data that we can now play with. All right. So no problems there, right? OK. So the next thing that makes that we want to add to Python. Remember, as I said, that remember, as I mentioned, that there are some uh, issues about programming languages that are all the same. It's just a question of semantics, a question of syntax. So we've gone through variables, right? Uh, how to store our data, we did the arithmetic expressions. We looked at control codes, we looked at control structures, Uh, we looked at loops, being able to repeat things over again. We looked at collecting data, which in our case we use lists. The last thing that we really have is user derived functions, and then one more little thing that asked me to add that that we'll talk about. So essentially, user defined functions is you're creating little bits and pieces of code that you're going to be reusing throughout your entire code base. So instead of having to rewrite that program over and over again, or instead of uh, the prime number, for example, instead of going back and rewriting the prime number code, uh, for different conditions, we could just write a function that defined it for us. And with that function, we'll just call that function over and over again instead. So almost every programming language has something similar to that, but uh, Python does theirs a little bit differently. And then the way it jumps into main code, or when we're going to be looking at objects tomorrow, uh, it's got a little bit more of a additional features in to it. All right. So the way uh, functions are defined, a couple steps. Wait, wait, got- step one: declare the function with the keyword def, followed by what you want the function, uh, followed by the function name. All right. Uh, step two: arguments. So functions take arguments. For example, find solving uh, f x equals you know. Uh, Ax plus b, right? My argument is x. I'm submitting <laughs> a different x for every value, and it returns whatever uh, whatever function it is. So we have to give some arguments, uh, and then we add what program statements are going to be executed in the in the function, and then we end, end the function with a, or without a, with a return statement or without a return statement, Depends on what the function is trying to do. All right. So it's really some simple steps to define these functions that we're going to use throughout uh, our code. So, uh, it's like, uh, all right, so um, we're gonna. This is what the format looks like. def, user function, all the arguments you want to have, all the statements of your code, and then what it is you want to return. All right, so run a quick little example here, and then we're gonna go ahead and see if you guys can uh, just create a function for your prime numbers. So I'm gonna do a def. And I'm going to call this just what we just say. uh, Let's say one two be x squared, Uh, and it's going to take a a uh, parameter x. All right. So now what I want to do is return x squared. That's all it's going to do, or uh, x squared. Okay. Okay, we're good. So that is where my function is defined. Now every time I need to call my function, I just call say y equals x2 um, and give it the number that I'm looking for. And I can print out the value of y. Uh, if I, I can print out the values of x's directly, I can use my function calls. And and we number numbers back. The only thing that we have to realize, the only thing that we uh, we uh, talk about when we're making our function calls is the parameter that we're sending or the argument that we're sending has to have the same data type as the argument that's being processed. Alright? So if your functions is doesn't matter in this case with Python, uh, but you're sending a data a number in and you're getting a number out. Alright? So the only big thing that we have to worry about Python is that the number of arguments you're passing in equal to the number of parameters that you're passing in. All right. So with that Ah, in mind, let's go back to our prime number generator that we have. And Ah. now we're going to modify it a little bit. So we're going to create a function that accepts an integer as an argument, or just accepts a number. And it's going to print out that many prime numbers. So if I send the number 100, it'll print me out 100 uh, prime numbers. If I ask for 1,000, it'll print me out 1,000 prime numbers. All right? Um, This is actually two parts. We're also going to write another user-defined function that accepts an integer as a parameter, and then it's going to give us the next prime number after that integer that you you received. So if I were to give it the number 9, the next prime number would be 11. So it would return back 11. If I, gave it a, if I gave it a prime number, like 11, it will give me back the next prime number, which would be 13. All right? So we have a function. We're going to have two functions. One function is going to be how many prime numbers it's going to return. And then the next exercise is going to be uh, I'm going to give you a number, and you'll give me the next uh, prime number that comes up. So, you know, if I give you the number 8, the next prime number would be 11. I gave you a number eleven. And the next prime number would be thirteen, so on and so forth. All right. So this one's only going to return one. This one's actually going to return lots of them, and it's going to be the best way of doing this is returning it as a list. All right. And we're going to save this one uh, for tomorrow for our objects. Right. Alright, so let's take about, what time is it? 347? So let's take about 15 minutes and see if we can fill up these uh, two exercises. So, as I mentioned, uh, we're a bunch of nerds over at Attack, a bunch of geeks, number of geeks especially. So, prime numbers has a lot of cool properties to it. So, which is why we, it's a popular exercise that I like doing in class because it gives us it gives us an automatic data set that we don't have to calculate too hard to find and then look for all the patterns inside of it. Which I'm hoping tomorrow before I do our uh, our disease propagation model that we'll be able to do a little bit of uh, big analytics on our uh, prime numbers. started and of course have death, and we're going to call it, uh, we're going to have one called next prime. It's going to have a starting point and it's going to do some sort of magic where it's it's going to find the next prime number. Look at our previous prime number generator and see exactly how that worked. And what we be looking for. Um, for example, here we have the wild prime of less than a thousand. We are calculating prime numbers, right? Um, we had another one which we actually did do a count. This did a range, right? But we're still not counting. What would we what could we add to this little for loop for it to actually count prime numbers? So, if I were instead of going from a range from 2 to 1,000, what can I add here to uh, change it so it actually counts instead? So, we kind of looked at this already. We did a while loop before. So, could we do a while loop again? And what would we be doing with while? Say if i wanted of the first 100 uh, prime numbers. So while count is less than 100, what would I do? So we need another coffee break? what's going on. <laughs> so we need to inc- so we need to increment count, right? So where would we do that? So we're in this in this program right now. Where is it keeping track of when something's prime in our little function here? The second statement: if is not prime equals zero, we know we found a prime number, right? So if we add a little bit of code, say count equals count uh, plus one, now we have an ongoing count of every time we come across a prime, number, right? So every so. Part of programming is being clever, right? You have to understand, all right, I'm gonna look at this problem, break the problem down into, it's little separate sections, and then say, all right,
0: this is where certain bits need to be
1: added so I can make this a little bit more of what I'm looking for.
0: So if I were to do this, there we go. If I were to do this, Zero. Tres, the tres, prime, is no. the no. El número because que me metió es la cantidad de primos
1: ah, que ah, que le uh, By the way, you ever have a problem like we're having in the satellite? So you one. See, uh, bueno, one, here, um, go through all this it's not well, print, print, is not What's the value of check we're not actually ever checking anything. So, two things happen here. I know my first instinct is to do a for, for a check in range of uh, zero to one hundred or zero to, um, say, a thousand, or zero through uh, whatever we're looking for. But that's not quite right. Because if I put a thousand in there, And I'm actually looking for the first 300, first 10,000. That's not going to work. So we can't have check being done inside of a range. Also a problem comes up is because while we're checking stuff, we cannot, um, while check is is ongoing, we can't actually uh, do a count because it's never going to come across a test for us. So we actually have to increment our value of check. So I'm going to do this, a check equals uh we're gonna start at three and when for every single time we go through to here actually might you know, do this. check equals two because you we know how to find prime and then start and check these polls check plus one. Alright now we should have prime numbers that are being generated and the first however many numbers we're looking at. Everybody see what my bug was? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. Uh, sometimes I put my, I put bugs in here on purpose. A lot of times my bugs are accidental. But no matter what, every single bug I have in my code is always a good teaching experience. Uh, at least that's what I tell myself. So we were when we first ran this, the value of check wasn't changing because what I did was we took out that for loop and we put a check statement in there and we were just counting. So pff, count was never changing check without a check was never changing, it's always the same one, so it caught in a endless loop. First instinct was that we go ahead and create a for loop for our check statement, but that would lead to another bug, because one is dependent upon the other. We want this thing to go as long as we want. If I ask for a hundred thousand prime numbers, this loop should generate a hundred thousand prime numbers. It shouldn't have to worry about what range I'm looking at. So we have to take the range out. So we added check to be just be incrementing for every number that we come across. So now, how would we take this code and make that into our uh, function definition here? Remember, indentation counts. So now this will essentially create a bunch of prime numbers for us. So I'm going to have this anymore. If I were to now call generate primes, and I don't want the first 10
0: and I've to generate crimes. still generate that many crime numbers first. So if I ask for the first 10, uh, okay, uh, what's my bug? I said
1: generate crime numbers 10 and it's just giving me, looks like the first 100, Instead of calling it count, let's call it number One this one. Okay, so what where does this prime number generator start from? I just ran this code. What's it starting at? Three. Where is that inside of our program? Where is that defined at? coming from our uh, value that we're checking, right? So what's our first loop in there? So our first loop is this check command, right? So this is where our value is starting at. So if I were to want to say, hey, start at a different value, essentially all I'm going to do is say, hey, start there, right? And then keep incrementing until we come across a prime number. So, if I were to redo this function, let
0: me go ahead and copy this one. let make sure I don't do the same bug. And yeah, make sure oh, the next one doesn't. One does that best. As far as
1: uh, goes, all, right. all right. So, if I just one, say start here, um, what if my value of start is 1002? My program probably wouldn't run right. So what kind of modifications can I make to next prime to actually start from the start position and the program end, or the function end, when it finds the next prime number? So if I were to do get rid of this line, for example, and uh, let's say we start at Let's say we start with our code, um, all right, first off, all, all right, so if we're going to start say, all right, uh, first thing we want to do is the next prime number after start. So if I set my check value equals start plus one, okay, and now I want to check to see if that's prime or not, well, I can just basically run through this bit of code afterwards, right? So, I can essentially, this does is this check start plus one. And if it's not prime, it, uh, if uh-huh. it if if it is not prime equals zero, it'll go ahead and print the number out for us. Else, what do we want to do? We want to increment check again, right? So, if we were to say, hey, uh, what if we use another while loop? Say, all right. While is not prime, uh, while is not prime not equal to zero, so with any other value but zero, keep running this block of code, right, which means we also, and going the start plus one, so we're going to start with our first value. We're going to set is not prime equal to zero, even though it should already be set there. Um, We're going to look at, well actually, we're going to be looping through our loop exchange here. So we're now going to look at i in the range of zero to check. And if we see that uh, check mod i is equal to zero, we know that it is a prime, yeah, check mod i is equal to zero. We know that it is not a prime number. So we're going to break out uh, of our for loop. And if not, we're going to continue going through our for loop until we get our our numbers that aren't prime. And then we're going to print that out. Uh, Do we have that right? So is not prime, is not prime, it's going to to start with 0. So while is not prime is equal to 0, so we are going to uh, compute through our code. As soon as our range is done and it checks its value, which comes over here, if this is still not zero, it should run our next piece of code. So we can actually um, can actually not have to do this line of code because that while because that while statement, as long as it's true, we'll keep on running until that break is hit. Once that break is once uh, that break is hit, uh, the while statement will be over. So actually we still need to run, and so. Do that hyper big wait, wait because uh, as soon as a is not prime we want to check it out start with the next value. It's going to say is not prime equals zero. Uh, it's going to keep running until is not prime is equal to one. Uh, if it is is not prime is equal to one, uh, I'm debating if I want to do that or not. Because what this is going to say, oops, all right, so what this is going to do is it's going to start with our start value. It's going to say it's not prime equals one, so we're going to assume that it's not a prime number. We're going to run through here. We're going to increment prime. We're going to check it to zero. We're going to run through this code until we get to until we get through one. In fact, it's going to break out of the for loop. It's going to increment start, and it's going to keep on doing this until until the end of the loop, where we're going to break out that for if it's equal to one. If it's not equal to zero, we're going to print out the check, and that's what we're going
0: to end up returning. And
1: check. And so then we can just, all right, let's see if our positive is right there or not. So we'll see next prime. Yeah, come on. And what if we give it prime as a 11? Something, yeah. It is and we go ahead and enter a So we can run this code and see what's going on. So we can do a next prime. And if we give it a number, say uh, four, it gives me the next prime number, which is five. If we give it a nine, oops. It gives us. So what is going on? So let's do a little bit of sanity check. Uh, While we're going through here, let's look at the value of, let's look at what it's checking. So let's print out. Uh, Let's print out check. So it is stuck at 10. So it's not incrementing past that. So why is that? So we're giving you a start value of 9. Happens. It's going in there saying check while not is not prime is equal to 1. Check equals start plus 1. So what are, what are we missing there? Why is it stuck at 10? I better stop that before it crashes. Exactly. Uh, also, what, what, inside my loop, what's the value of check? It's equal to start plus 1. What's the value of start? It's nine. So it's always stuck. The check is always checking to see if ten is a prime number, and ten is never going to be a prime number. So it's stuck in that loop. So what we want to do is set check equals start plus one. All right? Or check equals start, and then inside of our loop, we'll just go from check equals check plus one. Now it will increment. So let's redefine that, and see so check nine. So
0: it's going to check 10, 11, 11, and it came up. OK. So that shows that another problem. If I say, all right, it it's going to come
1: across
0: 11, and it's fine. So
1: line. what's going on here? Well, I guess I have my, uh, yeah. I have my standing check. Not yeah. right. my not on there. My sanding check is failing me. Yeah. All right, so if I give it a 9,
0: should be 11. If I give the next prime
1: number, say after 13, 17. You know, if I give it 17, 19. So now this is successfully generating our next prime number. So the other thing we want to do now is when everything is done running, we want to return our value of check. So now If I say, all right, uh, say y is equal to next prime, (laughs) (laughs) after 17, it returns back at 19 as the end of this print statement as well. Usually in your functions, you don't actually want to print anything because your functions are running. As part of your code, so every time it gets called, That's we'll right do a bunch of output. We'll let our actual, uh, we we'll let our actual program, our main program, uh, print out our output. Okay, so now we should have two functions: next prime and generate primes. Generate primes gives us a bunch of numbers that we want to generate, uh, x amount of prime numbers. And next prime will always show us what that next prime number is. All right? All right. Okay, so what we want to do is this is where everything that we've been playing with so far kind of comes to a point. All right? We actually want to see uh, what the difference between two successive prime numbers is. And we'll see if there's any kind of relationship there a thing called the prime gap, which is kind of, it's actually really, really cool. So uh, prime gap leads into the Goldbach conjecture. Goldbach conjecture says that any even number is a a sum of two prime numbers, all right? Something that really can't be tested or checked, but it's kind of really cool. Because if you take the Goldbach conjecture one more time, it also says that any prime number is equidistant Any other other prime numbers. Alright? So there there exists a uh, a prime number p and q that are equidistant away from a prime number in the middle somewhere. So let's say we call our middle prime number p, we can find a distance r such that p plus r is a prime number and p minus r is a prime number. Mm -hmm. That's what it's saying now. That's why are kind of interesting because you have multiple prime number generators being done and some of them are going forward, some of them are going backwards. Uh, But in our case, we don't have to worry about that. In this program, we're just going to see if we can find out how far into our prime numbers do we have to go for the prime gap to be greater than 13. Meaning, from, from prime number P to next prime number, that is a difference of 13. write that code that generates prime
0: numbers with the really the only function we'll need. Was, I that. The, only number to, the
1: only function we're going to be using is our next prime, so we're going to essentially create uh, a number x and we're going to find the next prime number and then we'll just keep finding the next prime number until that distance is greater than 13. Alright? Let's see if you guys can be a little clever to do that. So there's a program that generates, or there's a function that generates. My next prime number has an error. If I start from zero, it returns that one one, is a prime
0: number. And two is a prime number o el que script, no ser ¿sí? so, we oh. so, this essentially generates No, function, yeah. Que yeah. es a problem. It's que problem. a problem. It's a
1: uh, start using our next prime, number that we created, so
0: and I'm just saying y equals the next prime of y. No.
1: Okay. So, if I were to say, if I were to curious, how would I change this uno, to uno, be uno, what we're looking for, which is
0: uh, surging no, the okay. prime so, the de so, right now I just prime. have this is your hint y
1: equals next prime y. and y starts out as a prime number. So y is the first y is going to be three, y equals next prime is going to generate the next prime number, y equals next prime is going to generate the next prime number, so on and so forth. So that should give you a little bit of a hint on what the difference should be. If I say y old equals y, and let's say if we do a little bit of subtraction, right? y minus y hold, and then count, count plus 1. So there is all of our prime gaps, 5 to 3, 7 to 5, 11 to 7, uh, 13 to 11, and so on and so forth. So those are all the prime gaps we have. And it's interesting because look what our numbers are and our prime gap hasn't even gotten broken uh, 13 yet. So there it finally breaks 13 at prime numbers 541 and 523. So what should we do here? Instead of looking at count, because count is, I'm just looking at the first hundred primes, we want it to stop when it hits that prime gap. So what would my while table be? We're well, we going to find out when the prime gap is greater than 13. All right. I think I heard somebody say, the prime gap greater than 13. And then we add our prime gap and set equal to zero as an initializer. Now, we have to do a little bit of counting. I have less than 13. I do need some more money. All right, so this will keep going and show us when, like oh, well, I guess I missed that 14 there. Uh, prime, uh, prime numbers 127 and 113 is equal to 14. Uh, we can number, we can increase that. Does it ever get over 20? I'm curious. So uh, when prime numbers 907 and 887, are prime got us equal to 20. And this is actually some really cool data to graph, as well, to see how that prime gap changes over time. And then, of course, we can do some really cool analysis on it. So let's take the first 100,000 prime numbers. How does it what's the average prime gap, what's the largest prime gap, you know, uh, what, what kind of function does it look like when it keeps growing. So prime numbers are a lot of fun. Number theory is really, really cool, really Alright, everybody can have a good handle on uh, how functions work in, in uh, Python, how we can define it, how we return things, how we call that, because the next one gets really, really weird. Alright, so there is a, a there is something in Python called anonymous functions. So anonymous functions are essentially when you have a need For a small function, and you don't want to go through the hassle of actually creating and defining it yourself, we can use something called lambda functions. Alright, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with lambda functions. It's an anonymous function type. So, uh, go ahead and type this in. I'm not going to spoil anything. Go ahead and type this into a uh, cell. X equals lambda a colon a times 10, and then print out. And then after, before you print out x of 10, print out x. So asking x equals lambda a colon a times 10. I think All
0: right, so now there's our x. Now print out x. All right,
1: so x comes back saying, hey, uh, this is a lambda function, and it gives you a memory location wherever we're sitting at. Uh, for that giant hex number x is, it's a memory location where inside the computer where the function is defined. So it comes back and says, hey, this is a lambda function, this is an anonymous function. Uh, means essentially you have to provide something to it. So if we now print out, give it say 10, uh, say x of 10. It's going to print out, it's going to take that 10, it's going to use that as a parameter, to our lambda function, and then return whatever the value is. So this essentially creates a really cool shortcut to creating functions that you need to generate on the fly or really quickly. Uh, so they're very, very loosely defined, and because of the because of them being loosely defined, you can kind of go a little nuts with them. For example, we can go ahead and create an anonymous function from within inside of a function. So we can so try these examples. Go ahead and define my func x, and then return a lambda colon a times x. So essentially, what this is creating is creating a function with a lamb, an anonymous function embedded into it. So essentially, what you have now is you have y equals my func ten. That generates a lambda function called y where a is equal to ten. So now when you call y sub five. The first 10 is our standard parameter that this is going to take. So it's going to return, it's going to replace inside of our function, it's going to replace the value of x with uh, 10. So it's going to return.